All right, greetings to all of our campuses. We are uh, glad that all of you are here. A special greeting to our West Campus uh, that meets at Northridge High School. We love you guys. Um, And I I enjoy the opportunity to get out there about once a month to teach live. So if you've not checked out our West Campus and you live on that side of town, uh, we encourage you to do so. It's the exact same service as 15th Street. However, they start at 10 a.m. on Sundays in case there's a football game or something going on. But uh, that time may work better. But God is doing some really cool stuff out west, and so we encourage you to check it out. So a few weeks ago, um, our son Joshua didn't have school on Friday, which is my day off, and, and, and uh, Raylene happened to be out of town, which means Josh and I were on our own. And so we planned this amazing day that started swimming at the Funplex, and then a Taco Bell lunch, and then video games at Chuck E. Cheese, and then a bike ride and the Red Box movie. I was exhausted, by the way. Um, so the day started late morning at the Funplex, and we got there again. We got there late morning. I thought it was going to be packed with kids and, you know, dads and moms, all the schools out, parents needing something to do with their kids. And, and uh, you know, I had actually taken Josh to the Funplex this summer. It was insane, the number of people there. It was crazy. So I was expecting this huge crowd. Well, we got there, and, and we were the only ones in the entire pool area. Seriously, I said to Josh, this is amazing. We have the entire lazy river to ourselves. This is incredible. We have that, you know, the shooting hoops in the pool area to ourselves. This is a dream come true for an introvert like me, right? This is heaven, okay? So I thought, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be great. And it was for about 20 minutes. And then I started to think to myself, boy, it would be really nice to have some people here, right? It would be nice to have some other kids around that that Josh could interact with. I mean, being alone was great for a while, but pretty soon my heart longed for connection. So what is that about? That's what we're going to talk about today. We're in the midst of a teaching series entitled Life Inspired. You know, living a life inspired changes everything. None of us want to live empty, boring, powerless lives. We want to live lives that are awakened to the realities that, that bring hope and, 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 and peace and meaning and, and purpose. We don't want to exist, right? We want to live. And so we've been talking about what does that look like? God shows us in his word what a life inspired looks like. It's first of all rooted in our embracing the gospel, this incredible news of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And so we spent a few weeks talking about how that good news impacts our joy and our identity and our generosity, all sorts of things. But living a life inspired also involves experiencing something, experiencing the spirit. And so we're spending a few weeks talking about what that looks like, this incredible adventure of hearing the Spirit's voice and seeing his power impact people's lives. I mean, we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks, had opportunity to pray for healing for people, which was amazing a couple of weeks ago. Had some cool stories come out of that. Last week, heard someone talking about just experiencing the Spirit and responding to the Spirit. I mean, it's an adventure. It's awesome. But there is another facet of experiencing the spirit that is a critical part of living an inspired life. And it goes back to my experience at the swimming pool that day. While many of us love having our personal space, there is actually a deeper longing in our hearts. And when we ignore this deeper longing, we miss a life inspired 
Now, we see a vivid picture of this in the life of the first person who ever lived. If you have your Bible or your smartphone or notebook or whatever, feel free to turn to Genesis, the book of Genesis, chapter 2, beginning in verse 7, where we see here a detailed account of the creation of Adam, the first human being. Verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Okay, so God creates Adam from the dust of the ground, and then he breathes life into him, and Adam becomes a living being. But not only does God give Adam life, he also gives him amazing provision. All kinds of trees that God had, had, had planted there that were pleasing and, and, and had good fruit on them. And in addition to all of that, God gives Adam a job. He gives Adam a job to do. The responsibility to cultivate the garden, to take care of the garden. This is before the fall. This is before sin entered the world. Work is not a curse. It is a blessing, but that's another sermon. Okay, so, so Adam, had every, he has everything he needs, right? Food, work. He's even in charge of the remote control. I mean, he can watch the shows he wants to watch. He can do what he wants to do. Life is good. Or is it? There's this amazing statement that God makes in the next few verses in this very passage. Check this out, verse 18. In fact, let's read this out loud together. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now this is a staggering statement. It is the first time in all of creation that God has said that something is not good, right? In Genesis 1, you can look at this later, in Genesis 1, as things are being, as God is creating these things, we read over and over again, and God saw that it was good, right? Everything he created is good. But here in this perfect environment, where Adam has provision and he has responsibility, he has free reign to enjoy creation. In this environment, God says something is not good. And that something is the fact that Adam is alone. He's alone. He is by himself. Now, granted, he has the animals to hang out with. We read in verse 20 a little later that he names all the animals, but that's still not enough. See, what this tells us is that Adam was created with a need for human connection. He was created for relationship with other humans. God is saying it is not good. It is not in my design for people to be disconnected from relationship, for people to be isolated and alone. That is not good. That is not how I have designed humans to live and to thrive and to experience life. In fact, let me, let, me say it, let me say it this way. At this point in the story, Adam is missing something critically important for him to experience a life inspired. 
at this point, he is missing something critically important to him experiencing life inspired. He needs connection. He needs relationship with other humans. And the same thing is true for us. We are hardwired. We are created with a need for connection. And when we, when we live without meaningful relational connections, we miss out on a huge aspect of life inspired. Now, my son Joshua, he loves Legos. He loves to play with Legos. We have Lego NBA. We have Lego Batman. We have Lego Star Wars. Just the other day, we put together a Lego Batman helicopter. It's actually pretty cool. Um, shoots rockets and, and has this rescue rope that drops down. And it's cool. Again, he, is, he loves Legos. Now, I'm not sure if you can see this all the way there, but, but, but I'm holding in my hand a Lego piece Now, we all know, we all probably know how Legos work. Legos are designed to connect. I mean, you just look at any Lego piece, right? And then you see all these little circles there that are designed to fit into other other pieces. See, a Lego, a Lego all by itself is missing something. It's missing something. It is not able to fully experience its purpose in life. It needs to connect It needs to connect. Now, I'm sure you know where I'm going with this, um, but here's the deal. You and I are just like Legos. We are just like Legos. We were not designed to be isolated. We were not designed to be alone, to be disconnected from relationship. No, we are designed to connect we, we are created to connect with others. We have connectors, right? We're created to connect. This need is hardwired into us. It is not a personality issue. This is not an extrovert, introvert kind of thing. No, no, no. This is a part of our DNA as humans from the moment of birth. It's a part of our DNA. Studies have shown that when babies don't receive that just physical touch, After they're born, when they don't receive that sense of of connection in the first few weeks and months of their lives, it can have a significant negative impact on their lives. Attachment disorders occur. See, we were born with a need for connection. Now, here's the irony. Even though we were created for connection, we often don't want it. (laughs) We often resist it, especially in our culture. Really, I mean, our our culture is just wired this way. We we, we build fences. We we have our remote control garage door openers so we don't have to ever interact with our neighbors. We have ATMs. We have pay at the pump so we don't have to interact with another human. I mean, often our lives are intentionally structured so as to remain disconnected. And it, and it can be kind of nice, at least initially. Initially. A pastor acquaintance of mine recently planted a church in a small Colorado mountain community. And this is a town where a number of people have retired to their dream home, i.e., um, a secluded property in the mountains with no people around, okay? That's a dream, a dream home, okay? So in this community where most of the people, that's why they're there, that's why they come there, 
in this community, the, the church was wanting to, you know, um, just minister to the community and find out what they needed. So the church did this survey in the community to find out what the needs are, what the felt needs are. Guess what the biggest need is? A place to connect with other people, <laughs> right? I mean, wh- whether we like it or not, whether we like it or not, every one of us here is a Lego piece. We, we, are, we are Lego pieces. We are wired for connection. But here, here's what often happens. This is Joshua's one of many, actually. Um, this, this, this box holds a bunch of Joshua's Lego pieces from NBA, and there's some Batman stuff in here, and, and there's, there's Star Wars stuff. All these pieces are in this box. They are contained in this box. The problem is they're together, but they're not connected. So instead of being a part of an awesome spaceship, right, or, or a Batman helicopter or whatever, instead of being a part of, of something awesome, they're all just floating on their own. They're missing their purpose. And in many ways, this is us. This is us. I mean, we're, we're around other people. These pieces are around other pieces, we rub shoulders with and work with and, 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 and wave at other people, but are we truly connected in relationship? Are we truly connected in relationship or, or are we just kind of rattling around in this box called life, failing to experience a critical part of what it means to have a life inspired so, so what does God do in response to Adam's situation, his need? Verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. The animals just wouldn't, 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 didn't provide the sense of connection. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Okay, God provides for Adam an opportunity for connection. Now, I realize that at a fundamental level, this is talking about the wonder and the beauty of marriage, the, the, the relationship between a husband and wife, the foundational relationship there. But this passage is about way more than that. It is talking, ultimately, it is talking about our need for connection. You don't have to be married in order to experience deep connections with people. Paul was not married. The apostle Paul was not married. Jesus was not married. Even if there was a longing in your heart to one day be married, which is great, even if there's a longing for that, don't lose sight of the fact that you can experience meaningful connections, meaningful relationships as a single person as well. You are not on the relational practice squad just because you're single, okay? You're not. Even though I know sometimes in the church we do things and communicate that and I'm sorry if that's the case, but we do not want to communicate that. 
all of us can experience meaningful connections with others. So to limit Genesis 2 to only talk about marriage is, I think, to miss an important truth God is communicating in this passage. Here's the truth. We are wired for relational connection. We are wired for relational connection. Without those relational connections, we miss a critical part of what it means to be fully alive. Okay, so God creates Eve, And what's interesting is how Eve is described. God says in verse 18, I will make a helper suitable for Adam. Now, unfortunately, over the centuries, some men have taken this verse to mean that Eve is to be Adam's servant, doing whatever he wants her to do. But that's not what the word means. It's not what the word, you can check it out for yourself. It doesn't mean servant. It doesn't mean slave. It means helper. And what's fascinating is that in many other places where this very, the same word is used in the Old Testament, in many other places, God is the one helping. God is the one helping. So Eve is being God-like to Adam. Now, ladies, don't go too far with that information, okay? But seriously, this idea of a helper is that she is uniquely different than Adam, and because of that, she is uniquely able to help him. You see, the reality is, one of the reasons that we need connection is because we need help. Can I get an amen there, right? We all need help. We are not fully complete. We are not fully adequate in and of ourselves. So when we are isolated, when we are disconnected, we are unable to be fully alive. We, we are unable to experience life. We all need people speaking into our lives. We all need people giving us different perspectives. We all need love and affirmation and encouragement. These are things that make us more complete as humans. They make us more alive. We need each other. We need each other. And the flip side is also true. And this is the part we often forget. People need us. People need us. I was talking with a friend of mine a while back. He lives in another part of the country, and they've been attending a church, but they've not really felt connect, very connected. And so he was mentioning to me the idea that, yeah, maybe we're going to join a small group. His wife had been thinking about this for a while. But I could tell, I could tell he was still waffling a bit. They felt disconnected, you know, they wanted to connect, but I could tell he was still waffling um, a little bit. Part of it has to do with what I mentioned before. You know, even though we long for connection, sometimes we structure our lives so that it won't happen. We're too busy, too tired, all those things. So I could sense that he wasn't completely sold on the idea. And so so as I was encouraging him to, to follow through on this, I had this thought that I expressed to him. I said, hey, It is not just about you needing this group. It's about them needing you. You have things to offer other people. You have things to offer people in this group. You have a listening ear. You have common struggles that you're walking through. You have insights. You have skills. You have words of affirmation that other people in that group need. This is not just about you. 
You know, we all need to hear that loud and clear. Yes, we need connections. Yes, we need community for all the reasons I just talked about. But not only so that we receive what we need. We need community because we ourselves have something to offer others. Other people need us. I mean, that's the essence of genuine community. I remember hearing someone define community as as a context in which you can love and be loved, serve and be served, know and be known, celebrate and be celebrated. I love that. I love that definition because it speaks of the two-way relational experience of community. It is not just about finding people that will love you. It's, about, it's also about finding people who need your love. It's two-way. So where do we find this, this kind of community? How do we experience this kind of connectedness? See, Adam gives us a picture of why we need it. But the New Testament shows us how we can find it. How is this kind of community possible? Well, the answer is through the Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. It goes back to this idea of experiencing the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes this kind of relational community possible. So listen to how Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 12. This is an amazing passage. He says this. Just as a body, though one, has many parts but its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. See, notice what Paul is saying here. The Spirit is what forms us into one body. In other words, you belong here. You belong here. If you have placed your trust in Jesus, you belong in this body, in this family of God. You you not only have a heavenly Father, you also have brothers and sisters. Lots of them. (laughs) You have lots of brothers and sisters. This is a family. I mean, that's how God designed the church to function. It's really fascinating. The Greek word that's translated church in the New Testament, it's kind of an unfortunate translation in English because it's the word ekklesia. And when we hear the word church, we think building. But ekklesia does not mean building. It's not talking about a physical location. No, it speaks of a gathering of people. Ecclesia, a gathering of people connected to God and connected to each other and on mission together, on a mission together. That's God's heart for the church. That's God's heart for us. That's his vision. And it started, this is so cool, it started all the way back in Genesis. See, Adam and Eve created in Genesis 2, right? Then Genesis 3 happens. Sin enters the picture in Genesis 3. And into this perfect relationship between Adam and Eve, tons of damage occurs, Right? Adam blames Eve. They withdraw from each other. It was a mess. It was a mess. And relationships have been a mess ever since. That's what sin does. It causes us to live with self at the center of our lives. It destroys relationships. And so so here we are, hardwired for connection, right? We've already talked about it. We are hardwired for connection, but we're also struggling to experience that connection, 
But God has a plan. God has a plan. Into the sinful, relationally broken world, God wanted to establish a community of people who were choosing to love each other, who were choosing to forgive each other, who were choosing to care for each other. And in, 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 in other words, they were doing, they were choosing to do the opposite of what the sinful world, what our sinful world is doing in terms of hate and all that stuff, choosing to do something different. So how, how is that possible? I mean, it's great. Hey, let's start an organization that does that. Yeah, 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 right. Well, we have a problem. We're all sinners. How is this possible? It's possible through the gospel of Jesus and the power of the Spirit. When those two things are active in us, an amazing new community is formed. This, this, this ecclesia, the, the, you know, where this group of messed up, very diverse people, racially, socially, economically, come together to form a family, to be committed to each other and to love each other. I mean, God's design for the church is amazing. It is amazing. The church is designed for meaningful, relational connection. So, so how does this happen especially in a church our size. How does this happen? How do people connect in community? Let me talk about something that I am so excited about. I feel like it's Christmas, you know? I've been waiting sort of for months to be able to talk about this. I'm gonna explain this, but for months, we have been laying the groundwork for, a relational, for, for relational connections to be at the heart of this church's ministry. About a year and a half ago, I began to realize that while a number of good things were happening at Christ Community, lots of good things were happening, our church had become uh, kind of complex, had become almost too complex, especially as it related to how people connect. You know, we had classes, we had life groups, we had missional communities, we had all, all these different things, all good stuff, but it made it really hard to offer a clear pathway for someone who just wanted to connect in community. There were just too many options. How do I connect here? And it also resulted in, in, in I think, a challenge as it related to time commitments. Our lives are busy, you know, and, and, and that can be unworkable for many families to have multiple, you know, you need to get involved in this and this and this and this if you want to connect to Christ's community. And we realize the challenge of that. So we decided that we need to refocus and simplify if we truly want to make disciples that connect in relational community. So we wanted to create a, a clear pathway, a pathway that anyone and everyone could be a part of. Now, at the heart of our church is this desire to awaken lives, to embrace the gospel, experience the spirit, and engage in mission. See, that's how we define life inspired. That's what it looks like to be a disciple. Be a person who is embracing the gospel, who is experiencing the spirit, and who is engaging in mission. So we had this idea, what if we could create one context not multitude context, one context in which people could grow together in those three things in a relational community. Well, that context is what we're calling e-groups. E-groups. E-groups are smaller groups of people who meet together regularly to do three things. You can probably guess what they are. Embrace the gospel, experience the spirit, and engage in mission. See, that's where the E comes from. You're wondering, why do they call them E groups? Well, that's where it comes from. Embrace, 
experience, engage. Those, those E words are the, the active aspects of our vision. So an E group could be as small as three guys meeting once a week in a coffee shop. It could be as large as 50 people who gather to reach a neighborhood. An e-group could be 12 people meeting in the living room or 20 women meeting weekly for Bible study. The key is that every e-group will be growing together in these three things. Embracing the gospel, which means looking together at, at scriptures through a gospel lens. Experiencing the spirit, in other words, praying for one another, caring for one another, speaking into each other's lives, and engaging in mission having some identifiable mission where together they are moving towards lost people, lost and hurting people. That mission could be adopting teachers at a, at a nearby school and doing things monthly to bless those teachers. Or, or our, our e-group, we, we started an e-group a few weeks ago. Our e-group is actually doing an alpha, a five-week alpha parenting course at the Rodarte Center. We're starting this week, um, and we're just offering it to the commu- that community, and we're just going to help facilitate that. So th- the sky's the limit. See, each group can prayerfully decide what they want to do in terms of engaging in mission. But the cool thing is what's so fun is that we do it in community. We do it in community. So imagine with me the transformative power of a couple hundred e-groups that are meeting all in different contexts, different sizes, different shapes, all across the city, but they're growing together in embracing the gospel, experiencing the spirit, and engaging in mission. The impact could be huge. So right now, we have about 60 groups that have transitioned from um, the old model, they have transitioned out of this e-group model. So over the last nine months, we've been helping this happen kind of behind the scenes. And, 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 and many of you have been a part of that. We're so grateful for, for your willingness to kind of journey with us. And, and, and so we're so encouraged with the result. And so now we're going public. This is a historic moment, okay? We're going public with e-groups. Now here's the deal. This is not, please hear me, this is not just one more thing we are adding to a busy schedule. No, this is our primary vehicle for connection. And it's a great way for you and me to begin to live out this relational focus in our own lives, being a part of the relational connectedness that we're talking about here. We want everyone who is a part of Christ's community, to be in an e-group. If you are not currently connected in a group, we would love for you to get connected. You can go on a website and you can see which e-groups are open. Now, please realize we are just now going public with this, so we don't have the number of e-groups we need yet in order for everyone to connect immediately. So please be patient with us. We are moving this direction. Now, one of the critical aspects of this is leadership. We need leaders. We need some of you who would be willing to say, I'd like to start a neat group. I would love to start a group like that. Now, here's the cool thing. You may be a person who has a passion for a particular need in our community. And you've never really known, how do I go after that need? I don't know what to do. You know, I have a passion for this. Maybe it's refugees. Maybe it's trafficking, something like that. And you've wanted to go after that, but you haven't known how to do it. Well, wouldn't it be cool to establish an e-group around that mission where you gather like-minded people and you form an e-group whose focus is that mission, whose focus is that passion. 
Others of you are looking for an e-group and you're just looking for a relational connectedness. And that's totally fine. E-groups serve that function as well. There will be a missional piece of that, but they also serve this function of just connecting with others. So if you're interested in exploring leading an e-group, please stop by the next area after the service. There's some information there about leading a group and a staff person will be there to answer any questions that you have. Now, some of you are currently leading a group. If you're currently leading a group, a life group or a men's group or a women's group or whatever, our desire is that your, our hope is that your group would become an e-group. That it, it, you would become an e-group, choosing to be intentional about these key aspects of our vision, these three key aspects of living a life inspired. It's probably not going to be a radical shift from what you're already doing as a group, but it is an intentional shift that we believe can have a huge impact. So we would love to explore that with you. If you're leading a group currently, we would love to explore that with you. Just You can email me, you can email Pastor Bruce, you can stop by the next area. We'd love to talk with you about what that might look like. Now, we realize this is another critical piece of this vision that is, that is fairly new here. We realize that a critical part of making this vision work is the encouragement and supporting of our e-group leaders. They're, they're critically important in this. Um, and so we want every e-group leader to have a staff mentor who will be available to offer direction, encouragement, resourcing, whatever they need. So we, we have just hired someone um, starting this week, actually, Shane Fanning, who is going to be serving as our e-group's director. He will be working closely with Pastor Bruce Hoppe to make sure our e-group leaders are well supported. We, we are so excited about this, this vision, and we would love for you to be a part of it when you're ready. So we encourage you to process this with us. If you have questions, process it with your spouse, with friends, with a group that you're already in. Spend time in prayer and dream with God about this. I mean, again, imagine the impact. If everyone at Christ Community was connected in an e-group, growing together in embracing the gospel, experiencing the Spirit, and engaging in mission. I mean, not only will we be impacted, which is cool, our community will be impacted as well. Don't go it alone. Don't be a Lego piece in a box with all sorts of other unconnected Lego pieces. Get connected in an e-group. And, and together, let's live a life inspired. Together, let's live a life inspired. Amen. Let's, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. From the beginning, we see our need for relational connectedness. It is hardwired into us. No matter if we're introvert, extrovert, whatever, we, are, we, we want to be connected in community. And we thank you. We thank you for this glorious thing called the church, this ecclesia, this gathering of people who are embracing the gospel and the spirit is at work in them. They're on mission together. Thank you for this amazing thing called the church where this can happen. And so we pray for that. Lord, we, we admit our own tendency to build our lives kind of an isolation at times. Lord, we, 
We, we admit that tendency, that pull towards disconnectedness, toward hiding, toward being too busy. We acknowledge that, and yet we also acknowledge our longing to be connected. Real relational connected, connectedness with other believers who are growing together in the gospel and spirit and mission. Lord, we want that. We want to grow together in that. And so I want to pray for us here. Wherever we're at in this process, whether it's we're already in a group that's an e-group or maybe in a group that's going to be praying about this, maybe we're not in a group at all and we'd like to be connected wherever, maybe God is laying on your heart a, a desire to lead a group, an e-group. Wherever we are at, Lord, we offer ourselves to you right here and we pray that you'd lead us to the next step and that we as a church would grow together in our experience of community. We want to grow together in this. We pray for this e-group experience, that it would grow, that groups would multiply, the impact would be huge in our church and in our community, God. I'm so excited. I pray you would breathe life as you already have been. You would breathe life into this vision and make it just an easy way for people to connect in community. So we pray for that, Lord. And we thank you that all of this is possible because of the gospel. This isn't just another organization trying to get people together. Like, you know, no, this is, this is the church. This is because of the gospel that our sins are forgiven, that you have filled us and given us the capacity to love and to connect with others. Thank you. Jesus, for making this possible. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for making this possible. So we welcome you to fill us as individuals, fill us as a body. Help us continue to grow in our connectedness with each other. And we thank you, Jesus, for again, for making it possible through your death on the cross and your resurrection to new life. So we are, we like to respond to our messages by, with worship and, and ways to just um, respond to the truth that we've heard. And, and we're, we're going to do that today um, by partaking of the Lord's Supper together. Um, the way this is going to work, let me just mention just real quickly some logistics here. We have tables set up around the room. And in just a moment, I'm going to have you stand. The worship team is going to begin leading us in a response. And at any point during the next three songs or so, you can just slip out of your seat. You can come up and receive the elements, the bread, which represents Christ's body and the juice, which represents his blood. Now we're adding a little different element to it this, this weekend. Um, we thought because of this message on community and connectedness, we thought it would be cool if instead of just going up to a table and serving ourselves, you know, like the typical kind of um, way, way we've done it the last few months, we thought it would be cool if we were served by someone, if there was a relational connection in our experience of communion. And so what we have, we, we have a number of people, volunteers and folks who, who are going to be stationed at the tables, two people at each table. So when you go up to a table, what's going to happen is you will be offered the bread. They'll just hold the, the, uh, the plate out with bread on it, with pieces of bread on there. And then they will say to you, the body of Jesus given for you. Now, you, you don't need to say anything in response. 
But there is a connection there as they're just speaking this to you. You can take a piece of bread, eat it right there, and then the other person, the blood of Jesus shed for you. Again, you don't need to say anything in response. Just receive. And you can drink the juice right there and put the cup back in the tray. But again, our heart is that this isn't just an individual thing. There's, there's, um, what's happening is these people, in a sense, they are dispensing the gospel to you, to your heart. Right? They're declaring it, the truth of this in a personal way. Okay, so I want to pray for us. Actually, I'm going to pray. And if you are um, volunteering, you're helping us with communion, if you could go while I'm praying. In fact, why don't we stand? Just stand where you are. Um, both campuses, just stand where you are. If you are manning a table, go ahead and go to the table. And while they're doing that, I want to I want to pray as we lead into this. And again, when the music starts, then you can just go to a table and be served the elements. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your death on a cross and for the opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper together, not just as individuals, but to even have someone speak to us the gospel, that this bread represents the body of Jesus given for us and, and the juice is blood shed for us. These, just these realities that in, in a relational way, we can hear that. And so we pray as we partake together of the Lord's Supper in these next few minutes that you would stir in our hearts a joy, the joy of the gospel, not just being an individual reality, but being a corporate reality. Together we are experiencing you. So thank you for calling us into community. Thank you, Jesus, for your body broken for us your blood that was shed for us, we open our hearts afresh to these realities. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.